You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It's Thursday, October 17th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. So, Trey, the success or failure of this podcast intro for today's episode of the College Football Daily hinges on whether I have correctly adjudged that you are a person who knows off the top of your head the answer to this question. So no pressure. But uh, do you know what the current win-loss tally is in the Oklahoma-Texas rivalry? Texas should be up by like 35, I believe. Is it, is it 88-52? <laughs> You're way off. Really? Yeah. It's 62-48 uh, to 48 with five. Oh, it's really narrowing. So when I was a kid, we used to pour <laughs> over these media guides, obviously living in Austin with parents who went to Texas. We'd like Back in the day, you would get the season previews, and I just remember that Texas win-loss over Oklahoma used to look way better. So, yeah, Oklahoma's had... Why did I guess 80? I don't know. That's a lot of games. <laughs> uh, this would have to be like a 200. But I wasn't round. far off that. No. I said 30. I said a difference of 30, and it's what is it, 20? It's uh, 62 minus 48. Oh, it's not 14. good. Well, and now they play twice a year, so it'll be gone in seven years. <laughs> so, so you know, I Oklahoma is currently has the upper hand going back to like 2010. Here, oh, yeah. if not, if not, if not longer than that. So, uh, is this advantage something that gives you solace in these times of Oklahoma? A thousand percent. Dominance? Yeah, a thousand percent. And it's something I, I knew Texas had a lead. I didn't know it was shrinking quite like that. Although for most of my adult life, Texas has been losing to Oklahoma. But yes, it gives me solace. Is it something that when Oklahoma fans are really excited about their most recent win that you're kind of like, you know what, the the look at the scoreboard. Well, you know, it's complicated because like my first inclination is to always think, wow, Texas does have quite a substantial head-to-head resume against Oklahoma. But then I think Oklahoma has more national titles. Oklahoma has more Heisman winners. Oklahoma has probably a better college football history, which is a tough thing to swallow, but it's probably true. So I sort of trade trade back and forth, but yes, at the end of the day, I look at whatever it is, 62-48, and we'll enjoy that as long as I can. So what do you think of the fact that Alabama and Tennessee and the NCAA all disagree on what the record is in that rivalry? And, like, I don't know if – if you were a fan, if, if that kind of uncertainty about what the record is was introduced to the Red River shootout, like, I don't know, oh, how would that affect you? That would probably be decently frustrating because you sort of lose your barometer for calling scoreboard. Right. Um, I think it would af- affect me more, and I have no idea what that Alabama-Tennessee tally looks like. It would affect me more if I was a Tennessee fan and Alabama was fudging the numbers to, to make it look better. Because, I mean, I don't even know who has the all-time lead. Alabama does. Okay. By it's fifth. Okay, so the NCAA has fifty-five, thirty-eight, and seven. Wow. Bama gives themselves 
an extra win, but also an extra loss and a draw or a tie. Sorry, uh, soccer mind. <laughs> um, and Tennessee also gives Alabama the extra win, which I find fascinating and otherwise does not dispute the NCAA's record of events. Oh, okay. So, so there's not like it's not it's like a not a huge discrepancy. It's not a huge discrepancy, huge- but only because Alabama is currently on a 12 game winning streak. And if you so if you subtract uh, 12 from 55, then you're at 43 and 38, and Al- or then Tennessee's like pretty close to. Oh, so, so okay. Back in 2006, this was tight. This this was tight. Um, I wonder if it'll ever get tight enough to. I don't submit know. To, <laughs> it's hard to see it. I was. This is funny. I was thinking about this as far as Texas Oklahoma goes the other day. I was like, I wonder if Oklahoma's ever just going to be like bad for ten years. Like Texas was yeah. bad for ten years. Alabama, Tennessee. It's uh, I for some reason I was kind of guessing that Tennessee might have it, but I, now it's just stupid thinking about it. Yeah, one of my favorite things, Connor, about this this rivalry is that it had been getting really close to five hundred there for a while until Bama's most recent kind of you know whatever eighteen million game winning streak in this series. West Rucker covers Tennessee for Go Vols 24-7. But before that, it, it really did matter quite a bit because you were close to 500 there, and this is maybe the most important rivalry historically uh, throughout Southern football. So uh, that was a big deal, and it always has been. And, and, you know, they just don't agree on what the record is, which I find really comical. So the NCAA for a long time regularly used the forfeit as a method of retroactive punishment. So that was applied in 1993 to a game that was a, ended in a tie, ended in a 17-17 to 17 tie. Uh, Alabama gets a two-point conversion uh, late in that one. but And then it turns out they had a player playing who was ineligible to play, mm-hmm. and so they end up having to forfeit that game, not vacate. Vacate was something that the NCAA was using, but in going back and looking, it's they have not used the forfeit as a method of punishment since 1998. Since then, they have used the word vacate. So yeah. instead of instead of transferring the game from a win from one team, or in this case, a tie to a win to the other team, it's just the game never. It's like it never happened. I called the NCAA to get clarification on the whole forfeit versus vacate thing. Thank you for calling the NCAA. But when you call somebody at the NCAA, you get an automated message telling you to hang up and fill out a web form. So I did. And I've exchanged some emails with a person who works there named Emily. But Emily and I haven't gotten to the bottom of it quite yet. Yeah, and so it seems like Alabama is counting its tie and it's counting its win in 2005 that was later later expunged from the record. So that I think what what's harder to understand is what Tennessee's doing. Why they're just <laughs> giving themselves the least credit of anybody here. It's kind of like it goes with how Tennessee's been doing things <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And the thing to me that that's kind of sad about it is that, you know, it seems like for the past 20, 30 years, you know, neither one of these programs has been good at the same time. And and so there are so many things about this rivalry that are almost starting to become lost on a generation uh, because, 
you know, you, you had obviously Bama and Auburn um, became a much bigger thing as Auburn kind of built its program. And, and then you had this, this deal where Bama was good and Tennessee wasn't, and then Tennessee was really good and Bama wasn't. And then Bama again became really good under Saban and, and Tennessee, you know, has been in the worst 10 or 12 year period in its program's history. So th- it, it, this stuff's all kind of getting lost on these guys. And I think that's unfortunate because for people of a certain age, uh, I would say maybe above, you know, 35, 40, this game is Southern football. And, and it's kind of a shame that you'd like to see Tennessee get its act together. So um, w- when we start talking about things like this, they'll have more of a, you know, more of a, a big kind of national angle to them because, you know, this game was one of the games in college football every year for a long time. You know, back when they didn't put a lot of games on national TV, this game always was. But for any of this to matter, from the discrepancies in the win-loss record to the game itself, forget ripping off a win streak that closes the gap, Tennessee has to win on the third Saturday in October just one time, and they haven't managed that in 4,478 days and counting. So the question is, what's it going to take for Tennessee to finally beat Alabama? Connor, if everything goes right for Tennessee um, and everything goes perfectly, I still think you're talking about, you know, at the bare minimum a few years away probably from this being a game where Tennessee could win it and it wouldn't be considered a real shock. So if you're Tennessee, you kind of have to cycle this thing up. You have to get guys that have high upsides and and you have to kind of get them physically ready uh, to help you down the road. And then you can kind of start building the thing again. I think they're doing that to an extent. But, yeah, I mean, it's not a simple process. and, And that's why I said when Pruitt got to Tennessee, and a lot of people didn't want to hear this, but when he got there, I said, if these guys do their jobs perfectly, this is a three-year deal. Even if they do their jobs perfectly, this is a three-year deal because that's the, the situation the program was in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think long story put very short, uh, there are ways away. The other big news item we need to catch you up on today is that Antonio Alfano, the number one recruit in the 2019 class and an Alabama signee, has officially entered the transfer portal, ending months of speculation about his future. Now, if 84 more Crimson Tide players decide to follow his lead, Tennessee might just be in business. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help spread the word about the show. Whether that's telling a friend or family member that we wake up at 6 a.m. every weekday to make sure you're all caught up on college football news, or... Simply leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott, Wes Rucker, and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Day. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.